Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Ah, lovely to be back in the nice air-conditioned studio. (laughs) Another fine day here in California. Yes. Being outside reminds me of the extreme ball ball sweat of of the garage days. When you just have a, sitting on some folding metal chair and there'd just be a puddle when I got (laughs) up. I'm like, I don't think I spilled my beer. I don't think I wet myself. I am uninitiated. Yes. I got it good. Yep. <laughs> you live the air-conditioned life, Steve. Mm-hmm. Well, depending. I mean, some shoots, it's pretty <laughs> It's pretty sweaty. Yeah. Yeah, back in the good old days, I mean, you know, it could, could get pretty warm. If you're lucky, you know, uh, the dog would come up and lick your leg. <laughs> cool you off. I think yeah. that that was that was the uh, subject matter of one of Steve's uh, lesser known films. Yeah, <laughs> dog crack wrangler. <laughs> yeah. uh, what was Justin's dog's name? I from, feel bad for forgetting. The biscuit. Biscuit. There we go. The biscuit. Not just. He always biscuit. referred to her as the biscuit. The biscuit. <laughs> when she died, was she the limp biscuit? That was a really bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was the dead biscuit. She, oh. oh. All right. She gone. But she went limp first, right? I'm just thinking. Yeah. Hey. You know, you just got to take them where you go. I tell you, that's the kind of joke that uh, John Blickman would tell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. That is that's yeah. his kind of humor right there. Mm-hmm. Dead dog jokes. Whatever else, I mean, in limp, yeah, in limp, yeah. That's probably uh, the only of his jokes we can tell on the air. Maybe, I mean, he's he uh, he has been known to be a bit ribald at time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that classic Indiana stand-up, you know, that he that he does so often. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I am so disappointed I didn't get to go to uh, the uh, homebrewers conference this year. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, because uh, I miss everybody. Mm-hmm. The checks are there. Yeah. The Blickman was there. Everybody yeah. missed you. There you go. They told me. <laughs> you really missed your meal. I know. <laughs> yeah, you'll miss me when I'm gone. That's what I always say every year. I'm like, ah, all you bastards, you'll miss me when I'm gone. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, our good friend John Blickman. I tell you, get get yourself over to BlickmanEngineering.com. dot com. Check them out. Lots mm-hmm. of great stuff out there. If you don't know Blickman Gear, if you're just starting out, you ought to check it out. 
This is some of the best stuff uh, that uh, is around for brewing. It's yeah. it's made by uh, genius engineers working in in with a mind for quality and uh, innovating your brew day. So check them out. They sponsor the show, so uh, you don't have to pay for it. And they also make the uh, the uh, sturdy uh, quality, uh, maybe a little more. Um, Less bells and whistles. Yep. Anvil brewing uh, equipment. So check yep. check that out as well if you're looking for uh, either uh, you know the the best that money can buy or the the best that less money can buy. Uh, you check out the Blickman and the Anvil uh, brewing equipment. Uh, Blickman. Well, in fact, we just came out this week with the uh, <clears throat> sorry the new uh, Anvil ferment in a kettle uh, package. Uh, we showed those at the at the uh, National Homebrew Conference, Homebrew Con, and uh, a lot of people were real impressed. What it is, it's a uh, it's a gasket that goes around the lid to make a tight seal. Um, you put it in an airlock, and you convert the ball valve to a racking arm, um, and put a uh, a leak proof, um, gap proof uh, nut on the thermometer. And now you have a stainless steel fermenter. You know. That sounds pretty much how uh, Steve Handy used to get ready for his shoots. <laughs> on the uh, leak-proof gasketed nut. and uh, There's a lot of equipment involved. There was a lot. Yeah. There was a lot of prep. But we tried to be efficient. and Gas, uh, you know. Leak-proof gasket on the, uh, on the opening in the back. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Airlock. Well, check them out at anvilbrewing.com. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Check, check them out. All right, uh, today um, we are doing a live Q&A show, and uh, if you have questions for John and I, or Steve, or Bevo, you can send them in to brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com, brewstrong, all one word, at thebrewingnetwork.com, and uh, at some point within the next 10 years, I promise you, we will get to your question. If we don't, if you think we didn't, I would say that you probably missed that episode where we covered it. It's in there somewhere. Right. Just keep listening. Go back through all of them. And once you have, then tell me we didn't cover it. So there you go. All right. First question, Pornographic Steven. All right. This one's from Jeremy about fruit beer. I'm currently brewing a peach wheat beer and just listened to your podcast on fruit beers. In the podcast, you mentioned adding the fruit during the active fermentation. I have listened. I should have listened earlier because I was eight days into the primary and active fermentation had basically already stopped. Mm. I have now moved into secondary and racked with the fruit. Should I pitch more yeast? Will the fermentation start up again? Well, you know, pitching more yeast, fermentation is just not going to start up again. There's, you know, tends to be too much alcohol, not enough nutrients, you know, free amino nitrogen, zinc, and you know, uh, oxygen, all that stuff. And so it just tends not to restart. So don't add more yeast in that situation. It is better to, I think, you know, catch the fermentation, you know, nearer to the end um, or, you know, near when it's active instead of when it's gone too far to the end. If it's, if it's stopped fermenting, yeah, you know, chances are it's really just not going to do a good job of fermenting the fruit. Now, maybe that's what you want. You want a lot of fruit flavor and you want some of the fruit sweetness or whatever it might be from the fruit that you're adding. And so you let this thing 
uh, ferment out, and then you rack over to. Uh, sorry, it's a gassy day. <laughs> Fruit fly, killing me. Um, um, everywhere. There's one in particular that keeps flying around my eyeball and my nose. Um, if you if you uh, do that, um, what's going to happen is yeah, you'll have a lot more fruit flavor. You know, it's like adding fruit juice to your beer. However, um, it will keep fermenting, but excruciatingly slow. So if you end up putting that in bottles and then storing it warm, those things are going to overcarbonate, might explode. So that's the problem with that. If you're just going to put it in a keg, well, then you can do that and just keep it cold and you should be fine. And you can have a lot of fruit juice flavor to it, unfermented fruit juice flavor. But if you really want it to ferment, you really want to add it while the, the yeast are active. You can rack it off. Let's say you know quite a bit of uh, early yeast is dropped already. You could rack it off while there's still a lot of action going off into another container with the fruit if you want to get off of some of the yeast. But um, other than that, I think uh, that's how I do it. What, what would you say, John? Yeah, that's what I've been uh, been writing that chapter and uh, yeah, that's you want to add it towards the end. Um, let most of the fermentation uh, go. Get most of the maltose out of the way, and the maltotriose, and then you know introduce the fruit sugar, which tends to be monosaccharides, and uh, then the yeast can uh, take care of those. As you say, you may want to add a little bit of yeast nutrient, um, some zinc, uh, something containing zinc to help them. Um, you know, reinvigorate and uh, finish out that fruit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not sure how much, ra- how much racking is necessary. Um, yeah, if you have, if you see a lot of trube on the bottom of the fermenter, you know, um, if it's an older yeast pitch, then you may want to get off of it. But otherwise, I, th- I think you'd be fairly safe these days. Um, just, you know, adding the fruit to that single fermenter and going from there. Um, I, you know, fermentation should proceed, should be done in another week uh, at the most. So I don't think there's much chance of autolysis uh, due to the previous yeast. There you go. All right. Good question. Let's do this. Let's take a short break because I've run out of beer. And it's been one of those days. So uh, we'll be back right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. 
Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to MoreBeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Grog tags aren't just for labeling your home brews to hand out to your friends. They're the perfect way to round out your personal brewing marketing. Bringing your latest beer to a funeral? Craft a metal sign to go with it. Heading out to Little Liam's Bar Mitzvah? Grog Tag custom bottle caps are awesome. Couldn't get out of jury duty this year? Grog Tag the hell out of the deliberation room with reusable labels. Grog Tag has an awesome array of products just waiting to be customized by you. Metal signs, coasters, tasting mats, bottle caps, tap handles. It's all there waiting for your designs at Grog Tag. Liven up your next party with the widest selection of custom products ever offered by a sponsor of the Brewing Network. Grog Tag. At least your beer will look good. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. 
You ever notice how this sounds like porn music? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard porn music. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and you're, you're just too focused at the time, or what? Yes, that's <laughs> my, probably it, yeah. You've, you've got uh, Barbie dolls stuck in your ears, or... <laughs> Every every orifice. Hey, what's going on? I saw a picture the other day on the internet where uh, some dude had a Buzz Lightyear stuffed up in him. Nice little x-ray there on <laughs> Pinterest. Ah, uh, okay. Wings were deployed, too, so they had a hard time getting it out. It was an, it was an x-ray, That's, okay. That sounds yeah. fake. Yeah. Wings were deployed. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bummer. <laughs> so instead of Bum. to infinity and beyond, it was like to Uranus and beyond. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. All right, well, there you go. Uh, I see a slogan of our next Bruce Strong shirt. <laughs> to Uranus and beyond. That's it. <laughs> see, I would get a shirt like that made. I think Justin would not pull the trigger on it. No, he would not. I would. What if it was sponsored by Adam and Eve? Sponsored by Uranus. Hmm. Oh. No. Maybe we can do a collaboration, me and mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe we can make the next DVD that they're giving away for free. Adam and Steve. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, All right. All right. Next question. Fermentation. Yes, temp- you two could have your, your questions answered by this, this August uh, panel. August <laughs> group of uh, highly educated uh, people. Experts. All right. I Do you realize we're missing the Democratic National Convention for this? I don't give a shit. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't care fucking less. <laughs> oh, man. That's a whole other thing. Anyway, all right, this question. I recently got a fridge and dual temperature control setup going for my fermentations. In the past, I cooled my wort to about 74 to 78 degrees and pitched and stored my fermenter. In a bedroom closet with a 68-degree thermostat-controlled ambient temperature. I feel this has produced some pretty tasty beer. I brew mostly double IPA extract kits for now. So with my new temperature-controlled system, um, pitching at 76 plus or minus, and setting the start of fermentation at 68, hold for three days and rise one degree a day to hold at 72. Ideal range for WLP001. For the next two weeks, because the esters and off flavors you spoke about during the firm temp control. Okay. Um, should I wait to pitch until I get the wort down to 68 degrees, even if that takes a few hours to achieve after chilling? Will the upper temperature of the ideal temperature range get the yeast super active? How high is too high? Um, well, how high you were when you wrote this email? That's too high. <laughs> just run on sentences. I was like... I just... <laughs> Hey, hey, you folks! Do a little editing. Read your read your question after you you've typed it up, and then a little editing. I'll just pick out all the, all the questions here. Um, all right, all right. I, I, but I am following though because there are many times when I'm standing there drinking and uh, talking to some homebrewers, and uh, this is pretty much how the questions go. And so I'm sure you get this too, John. <laughs> it oh, makes yeah. makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm understanding what, what our brother is saying. What our brother is thrown down. He's essentially saying he started out... Too warm. 
Uh, well, you know, uh, like a lot of people, he would uh, brew, and then he his temperature control was essentially just like the air conditioner in his house was set to 68. And it's like, no, 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 no. Right. That's not right. Because you're controlling the air around it. You're not controlling the actual temperature of the fermentation. That's what you want to control. When you're talking about temperature controlling fermentation, you control the temperature of the beer. And so it sounds like he switched to a fridge. And he's putting the probe in or on the the uh, the ferment, fermenter, right? So he's actually measuring the temperature of the ferment, which is kudos to him. This is, you know, actually, I'm sure he's making tasty beer before. This is going to be even better. <clears throat> now his question is his chilling method. Uh, Blick, you know, use a Blickman Therminator, maybe, mm-hmm. or do a Whirlpool chiller or something like that, so you can knock your temperature down. Instead of coming, you know, coming in at seventy six, you could actually get to sixty eight with a Therminator. Um, you could uh, knock your your uh, your temp down to that, and then uh, you know you could pitch and all that. However, he's asking since he's getting down to seventy six, what about just putting it in the fridge, waiting until it is uh, reaches the sixty eight degrees, and then pitch it. Right. Another question is, uh, should I set the cold crash to start at three weeks after pitching? And how would you custom control fermentations with this kind of controller? All right. I would, all right, so um, uh, I would I would generally, uh, first I would just try and get your fermentation temperature, or your work temperature down to your fermentation temperature. Right. One of the reasons is you get more cold break out, and you can leave more cold break behind in the kettle instead of into your fermenter. And the second is then you can just pitch and then clean up and go have a beer and go to bed. Um, however, if all your processes are nice and clean and sanitary, waiting the couple hours for the temperature to drop from 76 to 68 is not that big a deal. Right. And that's my standard practice. Yeah, I used to I used to wait overnight for for loggers to get down to temperature before I came across whirlpool chilling. Right. So, um, I would say uh, you know better to chill it, but if not, it's not that big a deal to wait. Um, if your yeast, you know, um, and you could throw your yeast in, and if you're talking a temperature difference of, you know, four degrees or something like that, and you're going to be at that temperature within a, a few hours, then eh, it's not that big a deal. But I like to, you know, put my yeast in at the temperature and then kind of rise from there versus forcing them down and then expecting them to go back up. Right. I, I'd like to raise issue as one other thing, too. He meant the last question uh, Taylor mm-hmm. mentioned, mm-hmm. the um, waiting three weeks to cold crash it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder I wonder where he's getting the information or the, the where he's thinking that he needs to cold crash it. Um, mm-hmm. beca- and, you know, there's nothing wrong with cold crashing, providing that you're doing it at the right time, um, and that is after fermentation is over. Um, it, right. I mean, it's, three weeks. It's, is... it's not required, but it can help mm-hmm. clear the beer, but you don't want to do it 
too soon. You don't want to do it too fast. Um, you know, thermal shock, get some extra fatty acids and lipids released, um, some staline problems with associated with that. Uh, I, 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 that was one, one comment I wanted to make. Right. No, I, I'd agree with you on that. Um, I, you know, the fact that you're saying three weeks makes me think in previous fermentations or, you know, perhaps in current fermentations, it's, it's tending to really lag and drag out kind of long. If he's making double yeah. IPAs, maybe not enough yeast, not enough healthy yeast. Right. Um, if he's going dry yeast and just scattering it on the top, you know, that could be a problem mm-hmm. um, versus rehydrating. Yeah. So you got to be, you know, uh, your fermentation should be pretty much done in five days. And, uh, you know, you give it a couple extra days, you know, seven mm-hmm. days on a big beer maybe. And, yeah. and then you give it a couple extra days. And so maybe it's 10. Um, you know, but by 10 days, you should be done with just about anything. Um, right. You know, maybe a lager that you, you pitched cold to start, you know, maybe there's an extra day or two there. But, uh, you know, within two weeks, for sure, everything should be completely done. If you're still getting fermentation out that far, um, there's there's issues with either the nutrient value of what you're providing to the, to the yeast. So, um, you know, maybe a high sh- well, high amount of simple sugar or no oxygen or, you know, it's lacking in zinc or something like that. Um, a lack of zinc can really stretch out a fermentation. Um, so those are the types of things I'd look at for that. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you, John. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to cold crash. Uh, what I always did was I waited for fermentation to complete. I gave it a couple more days just at a, at a nice warm temp, so any diacetyl or acetaldehyde. Yeah, warm maturation cleanup. Yeah, and then uh, and then I just kegged it and threw it in the fridge. So, right. Uh, but I, you know, had clear beer there. Um, and like yeah. John, you're saying, you know, cold crashing, um, if, you, if it's done too rapidly and there's a lot of yeast in, in there, uh, you know, you can get uh, lipids, fatty acids, uh, you know, a lot of things that affect flavor. Um, it can, in a lager, be uh, particularly troublesome. So you want to do a slow, uh, a slower ratcheting down of temperature. Yeah, I, I guess one key is if, you know, after fermentation, you rack it to a keg, rack it, or, you know, or bottle it before you go about cold crashing. You know, I, don't, I don't recommend cold crashing on the yeast cake. Because that's where you could get a lot more of the lipids in, in mm-hmm. solution. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Kind of going back to the beginning of the email, um, it sounded like uh, he was saying, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm down to 75, 76. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna pitch my yeast, put it in the fridge, let it cool down to the primary temp, and then a few days later, let it get up back up to 75, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 72. I think you said. Yeah, I you know. Be careful on, I mean, look at look at the recommended pro, temperature profile for the yeast, but watch out for fermentations that are too warm because you do tend to get too much activity, um, too much ester, uh, and especially starting warm and chilling in your fridge, that often leads to a lot of excess uh, acetaldehyde and diacetyl. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, especially um, you know, Dassel with that and the. So uh, one of the things that people do is tend to uh, you know they they start raising the temperature and they get too warm towards the end, mm-hmm. thinking that they're reducing diacetyl. And and if you've got your yeast ripping to start, and then you raise the temperature and it's really just tearing through, and you're done in like three four days, um, it can mean an excess of acetaldehyde where. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the yeast just, they run up to a certain point and they stop and they don't do any of the cleanup that you're looking for. So you want to be careful about ramping that temperature up. I tend to only go up a degree or two on most of the clean ale yeast that you're looking at. I think you mentioned 001, um, you know, start out at 67, 68, uh, 66 to 68 in there. And then maybe one or two degrees, maybe three. Um, I really wouldn't get up into the 70s unless, um, yeah, I wouldn't with that yeast. Uh, with some of the Belgian yeasts, I would, but not with that yeast. Yeah, I agree. There you go. There you go. Anything more to add, John? No. Hmm. All right. Hey, good question. That, that res- res- resulted in uh, a fair amount of uh, discussion Discussion and witty repartee. <laughs> I'm drinking a wit right now, in fact. Oh, wit partee, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a good name. That's a good name. Probably I'll not taken. Huh. Eva's shaking her head no. She says no. That's stupid. Okay, <laughs> fine. I won't. I, I, well, if Bevo, Bevo doesn't like it, you know it's got to be good. <laughs> no, I listen to Bevo. She doesn't listen to me, but I listen to her. Yes, I do. You never tell me anything. Oh, I told you it was six DVDs. Oh, oh my gosh! One time, <laughs> you were right once. <laughs> there you go. I was right once. Hey, even a blind pig finds a truffle now and then. All right. Uh, next question, Porno Steve. All right, this one. Why does Tasty want to lose wort beer while brewing? Near the end of the podcast where we were discussing evaporation rates, Tasty said, when I do a 10-gallon batch and, um, and I have 12 gallons of wort uh, because I want to lose a lot at various points, my pre-boil is like 15 gallons. Aside from evaporation during the boil, at what points do you want to lose wort and or beer during the brewing process and why? How much do you expect to lose at each of these points? If it matters, I do strictly 5-gallon extract batches of IPAs and double IPAs. Well, um, in brewing classic styles, all the recipes are like, you know, six gallons at the end of the boil. And in some cases, you're starting with like seven. Sometimes you're starting with, uh, you know, less or more. It depends on the length of the boil. But you'll lose uh, some to evaporation. And then um, you're going to lose some to trube in the kettle that you want to leave behind. Uh, right. Hot matter, uh, hot hot break, all that you want to leave behind if you can't. And then uh, when you transfer to your fermenter, um, at a colder temperature, you're going to lose about 4% of your volume uh, due to the, the difference between boiling and uh, fermentation temperature. And then you're going to lose, uh, after fermentation, you're going to lose some leaving the yeast behind and some of the, the break material that's in the in the fermenter behind. 
And so the reason that I had six gallons at the end of the boil and more at the start of the boil was because I wanted to end it up end up with five gallons of finished beer. So it was six gallons at the end of the boil, five and a half into the fermenter, and then five into the corny keg or into the bottles, and you always ended up with a very full keg. And that was, you know, right. I figured if you're going to brew, might as well fill that thing up. Yeah. And that was Tasty's point, too. You know, don't be trying to strain, you know, um, mm. your wort, you know, the true trying mm-hmm. to get more wort. Mm-hmm. Uh, just be willing to make a little more and mm-hmm. throw away the troube, throw away the yeast cake mm-hmm. and the beer that's, you know, mixed in with that. And, you know, that way you get a higher quality, cleaner five gallons of beer into your corner, into your bottles. Well, and I also think, you know, uh, when I, whenever I was you know, stressing about getting the last drop out or trying to manipulate things to get, you know, every last drop out of something, it always seemed like I was contaminating the process one way or another. It was, you know, there was always something funky that happened or, you know, I, I exposed it too much to the air or there's, it just, it was just always a mess. And that's why I went to, no, no, I'm just going to use a little bit more grain, a little more volume to start. And then I'm not going to worry about that because worrying about that and fiddling with it, trying to get the last few drops, ended up infecting the entire batch. So, yeah, I I think, uh, you know, just overall, you're going to get yourself a a cleaner product, uh, healthier, uh, you know, it'd be healthy. It'd be healthy. That's right. So there you go. All right, let's take one more break, and we will answer more of your questions right after this. Hey there, BN Army. Have you heard the latest at HopTech? Since HopTech has doubled in size after a huge expansion, Jade and Roberto can stock even more of the best quality homebrewing supplies and equipment. Over 60 kick-ass varieties of hops and malts, monster truckloads of quality brewer's yeast, including white labs, Y-yeast, and multiple dry yeasts. They even have all grain systems from Grainfathers and Ruby Street Brew Systems, thanks to Jade, the brand-new all-grain brewer. And don't forget about their 10% discount to all BN Army members. Jade and Roberto are waiting for you and all of your brewing questions over at HopTech.com. HopTech, totally not sucking since 1983. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. 
Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're having beer. We're talking beer. It's a and whole, wit. Whole, it's a whole beer thing. Having a wit party. We're being witty. We're having Indeed. witty. And repartee as well. I feel witty, oh so witty. <laughs> I was thinking that before you said it. <laughs> I knew you were. <laughs> That's why uh, Steve is uh, an important part of what we do here, hmm. including uh, Adam and Steve, our fine sponsor. Yes. Yes. Let me ask you, Steve, are you getting enough? Could always have more. I bet you love more. Mm-hmm. Well, AdamandEve.com wants to give you more. Ten free gifts. Ten. Count them ten. All you got to do is use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at AdamandEve.com. And here's what's going to happen. They're going to give you six free adult DVDs. You can pick from classic hits such as Texas Crack Wrangler. Dog Crack Wrangler. My favorite. Wrangler Crack Wrangler. <laughs> and what was the other one? I can't remember. Detroit City Wrangler. <laughs> Detroit City Crack Wrangler. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. All featuring porno- pornographic Steven. Uh, from adamandeve.com. So you get six free adult DVDs. Full length. Not a few minutes. Full length. You get a uh, special gift for her, a special gift for him, a special gift for the both of you, including the clit bumper, mm-hmm. bumper, yep, dumper, rumper. She's just stick her headphones. She's, she's done. Right. She's done. <laughs> I wasn't sure which it was. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. It was one of those. And free shipping. That's the most important gift of all, if you ask me, because mm-hmm. shipping costs you a bundle. You know how it things does. are, especially like on TV when they got these advertisements and They're they like, give you the only, offer code. Only fifteen ninety nine, And you're like, well, that's a great, that's great. deal. Plus $20 shipping and handling. And they yeah. just say shipping and handling. And mm-hmm. handling, they can just, you know, like shipping could be 3 bucks, but they tack on 20 in handling. Not Adam and Eve. Free shipping. Six free DVDs. Oh, that kind of handling. <laughs> See? <laughs> At Adam and Eve, handling is free. (laughs) And 
And uh, three free gifts, including the whatever. Uh, just use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com today. All right, next question, Stephen. This question is from Norway. Ah, uh, Norway. Ah, uh, Norway. Which All they right. buy, buy a lot of Adam and Eve out there. Yeah, they invent, cold, dark they invent most of that stuff, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, I'm taking the step over to kegging my beer now, but I have a question regarding the Blickman beer gun. I've read on some forum that bottling the beer with the beer gun is great if you're going to drink it within a couple of days, but it won't stay good for a long time. Mm. I was planning on keeping five different easily drinkable beers on tap in a freezer and, or, keezer? Keezer? Mm-hmm. I don't yes. know. Mm-hmm. Keg freezer. Yeah. Okay, keezer. And uh, keep on bottling stuff that needs to sit for a while, like sours and stuff, and heavy imperial stouts and such beers. Should I keep bottling those with sugar and let them bottle condition, or will the shelf life of those beers be just as good if I force carbonate them in a keg and beer gun them into bottles a week or two later and then store them? Well... We actually did some uh, experimentation with the Blickman beer gun at our brewery. So we're able to measure oxygen in the parts per billion in our packages. So um, because we'll sometimes hand bottle something for one reason or another, we're able to get the Blickman beer gun packaged bottles down into, you know, like the 30 parts per billion, which is uh, quite acceptable. However... Um, you know, you do need to be very careful about how you do it. And this is for any filling apparatus, not just the beer gun. Anytime you're, you're filling, you got to make sure you've removed the oxygen from that bottle. And that's like, you know, slow and steady purging with CO2. If you really just jam the gas on for a second, you stir up the, the air and the CO2 mixture and you don't really flush it out. I mean, if you're really blasting it, um, you want to just kind of crack it, let it slowly leak, and let it slowly fill up that bottle and come out the top, and then start your beer and, uh, you know, give it some foam at the end so that uh, you're capping on foam. Uh, If you don't cap on foam, you can trap quite a bit of oxygen in there. So, um, you know, if you do those things, you can get, uh, oxygen levels lower than most craft beer, commercially produced craft beer, is uh, packaged at with a Blickman beer gun. Jamil is right. <laughs> Woo. Um, I was yeah, I heard Bio say that today. Yeah. Um, well, and uh, you know, the, when when you do it with bottle conditioning. Um, you know, you're trapping that oxygen in there and you're just counting on the yeast to consume it. Um, but you know, there has been some staling that goes on mm-hmm. uh, most, most of the time, unless you're filtering your, your beer, there's still yeast in there. And if oxygen gets in there, they'll consume that, you know, just as Same well as, yeah. yeah. So I, I like using the beer gun and I like packaging off that way, you know, when I was home brewing. It just, uh, it was easy, and then you had packaged bottles. Um, I think the more important thing on when you package your beer in, in the bottles, you know, once you've packaged it well, is not to leave it out warm. I don't get where 
people like right. to leave beer warm, whether it's you know at retail or at homebrew or wherever. Why are you stacking your hard, uh, you know your your babied through every little process beer when you've you know done everything you can to make the perfect beer and then you like stack it like cordwood out in the in the side yard? It, it should be refrigerated. That does more to preserve a beer than anything. Um, you know, uh, every 10 degrees C uh, doubles the rate of staling. So there you go. Right. Yep. I, I, you, you brought up a really good point. I think everybody needs to hear again is that um, the technique you use to purge the bottle with CO2 has a huge effect on you know, the oxygen, the retained oxygen in the package, which has a huge effect on, you know, the, the rate that it stales at as well as, as you just said, the temperature. So, you know, I'm not to, not to plug the Blickman beer gun necessarily, but you're not going to find another bottling equipment thing on the market, you know, for the home brewer that does a better job than the Blickman beer, beer gun. Um, because, yeah, but you still have to hear the, adhere to the technique. Purge the bottle first, you know, gently to flush the oxygen out, not mix it, and then you know carefully fill the bottle, and you know with a with a cap on foam. I mean, and the, the beer gun and and other bottling uh, you know apparatus as well are designed to do that. Mm-hmm. If you do the technique right, then you will end up with beer that will last months rather right. than weeks. Well, and, and I, I think you're making a good point. I, I packaged uh, eight to 10,000 bottles of beer using a counter-pressure bottle fuller that I got from, like, more beer. Right. And it does no better a job. The only difference is, you know, doing it under pressure so that you can hold the foaming down that way versus the, the quiescent fill that the beer gun does. So mm-hmm. that's the only difference. It, it, and, and, the, and the person asking the question is, is, say, is somehow inferring that the beer gun or, or that other, you know, a counter-pressure filler would somehow be better. It's not. Or maybe that's what he's reading on the Internet. It's not. Right, right. You still need to purge the, the, uh, the air out of there. And it does no better a job of purging air than the beer gun does. Right. So you just need to be aware of how you're purging the, the, the air out using CO2. You can't just blast it. I mean, you could, and if you blast it long enough, you could probably you know, get it down low enough. But if you go slow, it'll actually use, use less CO2 and get it purged quicker. And then cap on foam. So there you go. There you go. I think that's a good answer. Solid answer. All right. Ding, 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 ding. Um, <laughs> next question. This one is hey, from Arjun Saz. I think I've had a stroke. I'm slurring my speech. <laughs> and I really haven't been drinking. <laughs> oh, it wasn't, wasn't a double oh, no. IPA, huh? No, it was 4.6%. Mm. Oh, jeez. All right. This one's about two row in Europe. Yes. Two rows not available in Europe, and I'm struggling to brew some quality <laughs> U.S.-style beers like IPAs and APAs. They all come out too malty, too dark, and sweet, full-bodied, instead of bright and mostly hop-focused. Mm. The recipes used call for U.S. two-row, but from what I understand, pale malt and pilsner malt are not comparable with U.S. two-row. 
Can you give me and my fellow European brewers some advice on how to replace Turo malt with base malts available to us? Pilsner malt, Pale malt, Vienna Munich, etc. And some insight on the difference between Turo and other malts. Mm. I swear the grass is always greener on the other side, huh? <laughs> well, I, I would agree with the the uh, uh, listener about, um, you know, if you're trying to make a classic American IPA, uh, especially out here on the West Coast, a lot of us use uh, a malt uh, from RAR that uh, has a particular uh, kind of flavor to it and uh, makes for a really dry, light, crisp finish on a, on a beer. Um, that's kind of hard to find sometimes in, in other malts. Yeah. And that's become uh, super popular. And it's it's of limited uh, quantity, and so if you don't have a contract on it, um, it can be difficult to to get get your hands on it. So I don't think they send any of it over to Europe. Um, so that's the RAR two row. Yeah, RAR two row uh, grown in a near a place in uh, Canada mm-hmm. uh, that uh, we we all like, which is spelled R A H R, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, they have a, a variety of products. But, uh, you know, I think there are some, you know, just Pilsner malt is, is generally a good choice. Um, but, yeah, it can have that kind of Pilsner malt character, which can come across as sweet sometimes. Yeah. Um, but they do. They, they more and more they are producing some uh, very pale uh, malts in Europe that uh, really do equate uh, more towards um, you know American style malts. Um, yeah. So I would I would check on that. Yeah, one of the <laughs> I think you're right. You know, John, uh, when you say you know the grass is always greener because we're always like, oh, you know, you can't get that uh, great uh, British malt character. Uh, yeah, great German malt German character. German malt. Yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you know that Continental Pilsner. Yeah, uh, you know. So uh, yeah, uh, you know that's one of the reasons you make you know beers that fit uh, the geography you're in. Yeah, but. Um, I think that you can find some, uh, you know, more uh, pale malts. You know, you're looking for something uh, below, you know, two love a bond. Yeah. Um, I, I do have another suggestion, too, mm. for him. And that is to add, say, 20% wheat malt mm. to the Pilsner malt or mm. the pale ale malt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that will that will dry out or make that overall, you know, Dilute Decrease that. Decrease the malt character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good idea. That's yeah. a good suggestion, John. I would I I would uh yeah, give that a shot. I think it's a different character, but I think um yeah. But it yeah. helps. Wheat has has less of that sweet mm-hmm. maltiness mm-hmm. that we get from a Pilsner malt or a pale ale malt. Right, right. The warmth. It it doesn't have the warmth that barley right. can have. Yeah, get get a um the lightest color malt you can get, and then uh, mix it up with some uh, 20% wheat. Yeah, there you go. Good one, John. I like Thanks. that. I like that suggestion. All right, let's take uh, one last break, and we'll be back with more of your questions right after this. 
Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality management, an essential guide for brewers, now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at brewerspublications.com. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, they're amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. about White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast. Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Lab's yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch, Flex Cell technology, and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of Pure Pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber special secret elite bare bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f- 
fucking shit. NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. to brew has never been so disgusting this is brew strong all right we're back we are uh doing a live q a of uh your questions if you got questions send them in to us uh brew strong at the brewing network.com and we'll get to them post haste Let's have post haste as we can. <laughs> yeah. Let's have one more question, Porno Steve. This one's really quick, though. Well, right, maybe we'll have two, two more. Then. I understand that Jamil and John will be in Asia later this year. Where can I find dates oh, and places for their tour? There you go. Ah. All right. Um, I am heading out on the 15th. <clears throat> and uh, flying to South Korea. I'm going to be in Seoul uh, the 15th through the 20 or the 16th. It takes a day uh, through the 23rd uh, Tuesday Tuesday in Seoul, um, and then to Singapore. And John's going to be in Singapore as well. The 23rd through the 30th. And um, I'm speaking at the SAM conference, is it? The Homebrewers conference. And then at the Homebrewers conference. Um, Homebrewers conference is like uh, just before the Homebrewers conference. Homebrewers conference on Saturday. And then uh, departing on the 30th. And going to be in Tokyo the 30th through the 3rd, I believe. That's my plans. John? Um, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there in Singapore um, the, the week of August 27th. The iBrew Challenge, the 10th annual iBrew Challenge there in Singapore is August 27th. From two to seven p.m. I'm looking at uh, the, yeah, but the flyer was, they sent out. Yeah, yeah, but you're flying out the twenty third, right? And you're departing on the thirtieth. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So same time I'm there. Mm-hmm. There, there we go. We will both yeah. be there the twenty third through the thirtieth in Singapore, lovely Singapore at the Oasia Hotel uh, near the medical center, not the one in Chinatown, the one <laughs> near the medical center. It was about $30 a night cheaper. No. Oh. Well, yes, we'll be there. Bring your books. We'll be happy to sign them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking forward to that trip. I definitely am. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, any other Asia trips you got scheduled? No, that's the only one. I'm, I'm going, like I said, I'm going to Louisiana this weekend. Louisiana. Yeah, Red River Brewing Company um, in Shreveport. Shreveport. And, uh, get a taste of high temperatures and high humidity before we head to Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Yeah, getting to uh, uh, brew a beer with them there. And um, let's see, after that is the World Brewing Congress in Denver in uh, early August. Then I get done with that, and then a couple days off, and then I head to Singapore. There you go. Pretty awesome. I've been avoiding booking stuff because I'm working on the expansion of the brewery. Uh, How uh, big is it getting? uh, I I keep telling people it's like the Winchester Mystery House of of breweries. It's like, (laughs) keep building, keep (laughs) building. Um, We'll keep the uh, yeast of Ghosts Pass uh, (laughs) at bay. Um, So, yeah, the the 15th through the, of August through the 3rd of September, I'm over in Asia, and then... um, I'm going to be in Boise September 13th through the 15th or something like that. And then uh, I'm going to be in Portland like the 15th through the 17th. And then uh, I'm going to be at GABF uh, that week. And then um, I'm going to be, where else am I going to be? I haven't booked a whole lot just because of all that. And then... um, I believe in April I have to be in uh, Norway for a to speak at a uh, a beer festival there maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm thinking of taking the whole family and kind of making a big thing of it and just traveling all around Scandinavia. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, I'm thinking it is. Yeah. And then um, they haven't invited me back, but <laughs> lovely place. Are you on a list, John? He he <laughs> left a turd in the uh, in the uh, in the sauna, probably a little little baker right there on the on the little log on the logs, huh? No, uh, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. I may I may not have drank enough beer. That may be it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure that would happen. John not drinking enough beer couldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, no, that's uh, any questions from the chat, Bevo? No, yes, sir. You can also chat live with uh, lovely Bevo and the rest of us. Uh, if you're listening to the show live, you go to the uh, thebrewingnetwork.com, uh, look at the listen live, you click on that, you can get in there. It doesn't require like any real passwords or anything. Um, you can just participate in the show. Uh, you can even call in. Every once in a while, we try the call-in thing, the eight eight four one beer thing. I think we've gotten it to work once. Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe no. once. No. And I think it might have been like half. And it was working. like a telemarketer or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, all right. Maybe, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh well, another fine show. If you enjoy programming like this. I would highly suggest you check out our fine sponsors, especially that Blickman Engineering. John Blickman, good friend of the show, been a good friend for a long time, and uh, his focus is making uh, great products so that uh, it's innovating your brew day, making your brews better, and uh, he would love to hear from you. Email him, John, uh, or uh, feedback at uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. And tell him how much you like the show and that uh, you appreciate that he paid for it. And uh, check out the, the, the goodies they got on their site. Uh, ask your local uh, homebrew shop to carry them. 
good stuff. Good stuff all. And uh, check out the Brewing Network store as well. There's stuff there. You go to thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. They got hoodies. They got hats. They got stainless growlers. They got glassware. They got shirts. They got uh, um, coloring books. They've got uh, coffee mugs. You were doing so well. (laughs) They've got uh, paperclip holders, staplers, and pens. Pens are new. But uh, check them out at thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. Until then, everybody, brew strong. Brew strong.